Welcome back to season two, episode three. Season two, episode three. See, we kind of sound professional. We say like we're on season two. Yeah. Even though season two started. Because we've been recording so much recently. <laughs> yeah, we have been. <laughs> so it's been a while. It's been a minute. Because, um, you know, we had, when was the last time we recorded? I don't know. Couple, like like we March. Had, in March, we were recording. So Yeah, so we took a few weeks off. Yeah. Um, mostly because of scheduling issues. We're just going to call it that. Yeah, that's what we'll call it. More so like the day before where we were like, are we recording today? We'll like, and then I'll be eh. like, I got homework. Yeah. Ryan's got a game. Yeah. We were talking before about like what we should talk about in our intro, like anything interesting that's happened. And we're like, out of the, we don't really have anything. Out of the six weeks we've been off, <laughs> nothing's happened. We have accomplished. So why haven't zero. we recorded anything? Yeah, I mean, end of the year is getting so close. I think we have what a week, two weeks left. Because we yeah, have one, this upcoming one week, week and, and then, then two finals. days. Yeah. Wow. We're done the sixteenth. Yeah. So um, we not soon enough though. Yeah. No. Um, did you? You didn't. You didn't go to school on senior ditch day, did you? I absolutely did not go to school on senior. Was it a senior call-in day or a ditch day? Like you just straight. It was a senior call-in day because I had a game that night, so like I had Mm, to get called mm, in. Yeah. Okay. Don't tell the school. (laughs) (laughs) I was planning on doing that, but now that you ask me, I won't. Oh, okay. Um, I just went to school. I felt really lame. I know, but I only have two class periods. Oh. So I was just like, I'm getting home before half of the seniors are even going to wake up. Right. Yeah. What's the point? Speaking of, something very special happened to you, Ryan. You were crowned prom king. Yeah. At MCHS. I was. 2023 prom. I was. So It was very special. Yeah. I remember hearing it because I was all the way across in the other wing of the museum. And I was like, oh, hey, that's cool. Yeah. That's about where that ended. Yeah, that's pretty much where mm-hmm. it ended for me too. Did you oh, guys cool? Did you guys like did the court have to do anything special nope. or is it just they mentioned it, gave you a crown? Well, we had to like we had to walk down like the the aisle thing. And then they played pomp and circumstance and the whole No, whole it wasn't really that cool. Okay, we still got a few few more weeks before that happens, but Yeah. Yeah, it was I mean, it was it was cool. It I was guess. cool. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, so the last few weeks have been kind of lame, but that's okay because we're here to talk about God. And yep. that's not lame. That's yep. really cool. And I like doing that. Yeah. So we're finally finishing up the book of Galatians, which I've absolutely fallen in love with. I think it's a great letter. I'm with you. I love Paul's writing. Agree. But his sentences are too long. And it's hard to read sometimes, especially in ESV. Thinking of switching over just for Paul's letters. But if we don't have anything else to talk about, I think we're just going to get right into it. I think let's just jump in. Perfect. So, last time, we had a bit of an issue with reading it and then explaining it, because <laughs> then we would just be like, yeah, and the, 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 um, the, um, uh, the, uh, uh. So, we're going to try our best to do a little, bit, a little bit less of that this time. So, I'm going to be taking chapter four, where we left off. Yes. Where, I believe Paul is now talking about ball ball Paul is now talking ball. about how we are now the adopted children of God we're in God's family now because of his sacrifice and he's talking about the significance of 
because we are adopted children, we now are also heirs. So in Roman law, it talks about, in Roman law, in Roman law, the adopted son has equal rights to that of the natural born son. So it's something that the Galatians would understand. And so he goes on and talks about how in just verse four, in verse four, verse one, what I'm saying is as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from the slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were children, we are in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But now that the time has fully come, all who are alive, nope. Did you double page? Split? Yeah, double page, and then I double page oh, back. Oh, no. Now that the time has come, God has sent his son, born of a woman, under the law, to redeem those under the law. So that would be us. So fulfilled the old covenant, and now in this new covenant, we are receiving the full rights of sons or in the family of God, which now allows us to have that relationship with God. Because we are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father, so that we are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has also made you an heir. Kind of re-explaining that. Then Paul goes on to kind of talk about his concerns for them. In verse 8, Formerly, when you did not know God, you who were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. You, okay. You were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, talking about that relationship again, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved all over again? You're observing special days, months, seasons, and years, and I fear for you that somehow I've wasted my efforts on you. So Paul, again, talking about how now that you have this relationship with God through Christ and through faith, you're still turning back to the law, which has already been fulfilled. So it really doesn't matter. Talking about those traditions, those days, months, and years, those tradition, I guess, what would you call it? Ceremonial laws. Those ceremonial laws are no longer required for salvation. So... He goes on to say, I plead with you, brothers, become like me, for I became like you. You have done me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you have welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Jesus Christ himself. What happened to all your joy? I can testify that if you would have if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Okay, Paul. Gross. What <laughs> Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? So Paul's now saying, what I'm saying, Paul is re, essentially re-preaching the gospel to these people and reminding them that, hey, stop believing these, I guess you'd call them Judaizers. Yeah. These Christians who are trying to make these people still follow those um, ceremonial laws of the old law. I think that's something like, we'll talk more about this later when we talk about like ceremonies and more ritualistic types of things. But I mean, we do this sometimes too. Like when we, Mm -hmm. 
when we have something that we like, maybe we like it, um, but it's it's not it it doesn't matter. Like you said earlier, like these this ceremonial these ceremonies or these actions that we do don't matter if we don't have a relationship with Jesus. So yeah. we can have the things that we like, and that's all fine and good. But if we don't have Jesus, we don't have anything. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really good thing to point out, especially with when you are, when Christians are just, Christians of different, like, Christian communities, I suppose, from, like, different churches begin, like, whenever I go to a different church and they do things differently, I'm like, is that how you're supposed to do it? Yes. Are we sure? Yes. And then I always catch myself and I'm like, that really doesn't matter. Like, yep. those, those small ceremonial differences, I guess, but differences in general don't matter so long as it is a relationship of through with Christ or a relationship with God through Christ, through faith. Yeah. And so I guess that those fundamental principles of Christianity, I guess you could say, call it that, so long as you're following that. And then we're also getting to like how we know our faith is... I guess not to spoil it, but producing fruit. Yeah, which we'll get to in chapter yeah, five. Okay. But just, we're yeah, not in cool. chapter five yet. That's so we'll cool. just just take what I was going to say. Don't worry about it. Yep, yep. No, it's well, cool. I, well, I'm the star here. I'm I just know. Kidding. I know, Adam. God this is, is the, the Adam here. show. <laughs> okay, so um, Paul goes on in verse seventeen, saying, "Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us, so that you so that you may be zealous for them." He clarifies that it is fine to be zealous, provided that the purpose is good, and to be so always and not just when I am with you. So talking about how being zealous or on fire for God and for Christianity in general is is good, but be care essentially telling them to be careful so that they're not being zealous for the wrong things, which would be, in this case, the Judaizers and... Um, them connecting the law to salvation. And then he finishes off uh, in verse 19, my dear children for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. How I wish I could be with you now to change my tone because I'm perplexed about you. So Paul restating or stating to them that he really, it's like he's, 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 it's like he's talking to his two kids or his children. I said, not kids. Um, because it, this like situation is definitely like, he cares about them. He cares right. about the situation yeah. and he wants them to know the truth. Yes. So that's why he's writing this letter, letter, although it sounds almost like he's yelling at them. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he kind of is for a little I mean, bit of yeah. it, but then at this point he's saying, I wish I could change my tone. I wish you right. could know how I'm, how I, how I want this to be conveyed. Right. I'm just, I'm perplexed about you. <laughs> I'm All just right. confused. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just really confused on what you guys think you're doing. So going on verses 21 to 31, Paul now has this kind of analogy between Hagar and Sarah who were who bore the children of Abraham. So he's talking, so tell me for... Th- Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written, Abraham has had two sons, one by the slave woman, 
Hagar, and one by the free woman, Sarah. His son by the slave woman was born in an ordinary way, but a son of the free woman was born as the result of a promise. These things can be taken figuratively, for the women represent two covenants. One covenant from Mount Sinai bears the children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now Hagar stands on Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But, Jerus- but the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Be glad, O barren woman, who produces, who bears no children. Break forth and cry aloud, you who have no labor pains. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Whew. So, continues on in verse 28. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise, talking about the new covenant, the old covenant being the law that was fulfilled through Christ's uh, crucifixion. At the same time, the son born of the ordinary way was persecuted. At that time, the son born in the ordinary way persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. It is the same way now. But what does the scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son for the slave woman's son will never share the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free. Wow, that was a mouthful. Yes. but It again, was for me, too. Yeah. Hearing again, you read it. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. No problem. But again, talking about how we, our salvation is not in the law anymore. It's in... The new covenant. Yeah. We're no longer slaves. We're no longer slaves. To uh, the things, the law, the things of this world. Yeah. We are not slaves to the world. No longer slaves is the name of a song. That made me think of it. That's why I lost my train of thought. Sorry. All right. I can't think of more than one thing at once. We survived chapter four. We survived chapter four. We are a third of the way there. All right. That was a lot. It was. Are are we going to make it through two more chapters? I know we're going to make it through two more chapters. I have faith that we're going to make it through two more chapters, All right. huh? All right. Uh-huh. All, right. All right. All right. So chapter five starts, the first section of it is um, judgment for those who turn from the gospel. Um, I'm already, I've already said um twice. I'll, so- st- I'll start <laughs> the counter and I'll let you know at the end of it. No, because then I'm going to start thinking about it. It's just going to be bad. Oh, man. I already, I almost did it just now. Chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So Christ has set us free from the old way. We have been set free. Uh, After this, Paul talks about um, what I wrote as the impossible burden of circumcision. So he says that, if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. So you can't pick and choose which parts of the law to follow. If Paul's saying that if the Galatians require obedience to any part of the Mosaic law, uh, they're committed to obeying all of it perfectly for their justification. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is impossible. As, as we already know uh, from earlier... In chapter 3, 
Verse 10, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be any, everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Verse 11 says, now it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law, because the righteousness shall live by faith. So we're redeemed from, or we're fulfilled. That old law is fulfilled. It's impossible to keep it. The law, Paul in Romans talks about, the law shows us how sinful we really are mm-hmm. we it's impossible to fully live up to um every law perfectly right. so that's that's why we needed jesus that's because we we're sinful so jesus fulfilled the law when he died on the cross and then in verse verse six uh chapter five verse six we'll go back to chapter five paul makes a little Uh, small clarification here. He says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So this, Paul's saying here that he doesn't, he's not opposed to the action of circumcision in general, um, but he is opposed when it's required for salvation. uh, Because he, he said, I'll repeat it, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. So really what he's saying is he doesn't, it doesn't matter. Right. It's like those ceremonial things it's not that we shouldn't do them at all like stop it's much more of a don't do them for for or for salvation it's like not tying it to salvation anymore right exactly Mm -hmm. and i'll jump back to chapter 2 verse 16 where he says yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Right. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. So that's just reinforcing that point there. The next section, um, we'll go to verse 13. We know that we are set free, but Paul gives us this warning. He says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only... Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Mm-hmm. So he's saying don't use, don't use the freedom that you've been given and don't um, take advantage of it, essentially, yeah. but serve one another. Um, Jesus talks about freedom. If we go all the way back to John 8, um, he's talking to his disciples and he says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Um, in verse 34 of John 8 says, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So just that idea of we have been, we have been freed, so forever we are freed because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. We're freed from the old covenant. We're freed from any ceremonial law, anything other than forgiveness for our sins, because of Jesus' death on the cross. We're freed from all of that yeah. for our salvation. Verse In verse 14, Paul tells us how the law is fulfilled. Um, he says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So he uses this commandment as the reason why the Galatians should serve one another. Um, because he knows that we as Christians, we still have a moral obligation that's found in the law, but it's mm-hmm. not... Again, it's not the means by which we're justified. Right. Um, James two fourteen says it. it's a it's a commonly 
uh, or it's a it's a popular uh, topic to talk about um, when this comes up. But James two verse verse fourteen says, "What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly glo- clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, by, also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So that idea that works don't works, you are saved by your works. True right. faith produces good works. Right. So works doesn't get us salvation. Exactly. Faith without works isn't going to get us salvation because the good tree produces the good fruit. Exactly. The works are a way of us to essentially allow us to tell whether our faith is genuine. Is that a is that a good way to put it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, you... it's like it's a way to measure essentially. Yeah. yeah. Do I really have faith? Am I? I don't want to say doing enough, but like, do I really believe? Yeah, I mean, if if you and if you have if, a true faith, and if you're following your life, what Jesus is saying, you will see those things in your life, right? Okay. You you already you stole another thing that I was going to say. Don't worry about it. I know it's the Adam show. <sighs> no, it's cool. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Matthew seven seventeen. Every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So recognizing faith by the fruits they produce. Yes. Okay. Moving on. Um, The next section is the idea of keeping in step with the Spirit and walking with the Spirit. And Paul talks about the desires of the flesh and of our sinful nature in contrast to the fruit of the spirit, which is probably the most, it's not probably, it's definitely the most popular part part of, of this chapter. Yeah. 100%. Um, verse 16 says, but I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then verse 18 is, but if you are led by the spirit, you aren't under the law. So we learn in this passage that we're, we can resist our earthly desires by walking with the spirit. Mm-hmm. And the spirit um, will help us resist those sinful desires. Right. So Paul lists um, what we would instinctively gravitate toward because of our sinful nature without walking in step with the Spirit and having a relationship with Jesus. So he starts in verse 19. He says, The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Talk about a long verse. Yeah. Whew. Talk about a long sentence. Yeah. So we, I mean, there's so much in here that we can talk about, but how exactly they're an earthly desire. But I'll just, I mean, if we look at, you can look at enmity and strife and put those two together. It's relationships between human beings being destroyed because people turn in and focus on themselves and that pride that right. they have instead of turning and facing God. and But these people are rejecting God. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing, the last two that he talks about, he talks, talks about drunkenness and orgies. 
um, and people misusing the gifts that God has given them in sinful ways. Yeah. So, I mean, this you could also put sexual immorality, impurity, and sexuality in that group also. Mm-hmm. Just misusing the good gifts God has given us in sinful ways. Yeah. Um, so then moving towards, or to the to the fruit of the Spirit, um, I liked my the commentary that's in my Bible, their, their description of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, it says, The Spirit fights against sin not merely in defense, but also in attack by producing in Christians the positive attributes of a godly character. So not only are we resisting the desires that are sinful desires that are a result of our sinful nature, but we're also actively producing positive attributes in ourselves as well because the spirit is producing those in us. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not really a, it's not just a defense, but it's also, we're also on offense in that, if that makes sense. Yeah. So the fruits of the spirit, Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against the, such things there is no law. So I, I thought it was interesting that love is listed first here because it's, it's the greatest quality that the spirit produces. Everything mm-hmm. flows out of love. Obviously there's that passage, um, the wedding passage, love is patient, love is all yeah. that. We could talk about that, but we're not going to. Um, Paul says that there's no law against these things. So those whom these qualities are in whom those qualities are produced are fulfilling, fulfilling the law. Essentially they, they, well, the law was fulfilled by Jesus, but there's no, there's no sin that goes, um, with these things. Right. Okay. And these are the things that, um, like you said earlier, when you stole my point, that these <laughs> these things will be produced in a good tree. Yes. Like you just steal my points all over the place today. So then we move to the end of chapter five. Um, he says that when we have a relationship with Jesus, we're crucified along with our sinful desires. Mm-hmm. Um, verse 24 is, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh along with its passions and desires. So our old way or our old flesh has died with Christ through his sacrifice on the cross. Yes. And then Paul finally ends this chapter uh, encouraging the Galatians to walk. He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. So similar to kind of what we talked about before with the enmity and strife and the pride and that he mentioned before, being conceited and provoking one another and causing issues with another, with one another caused division and destruction in the church. So Paul ends this chapter by warning the people not to do warning. That. Yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. Essentially. <laughs> All right. On to chapter six. So Paul promptly follows that with, um, the first few verses talking about how Christians should be in community with one another. So, Uh, Verse 1, Brothers, if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. For each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. So talking about kind of not only do we have to do 
some things on our own or walk in our relationship with God on our own, but we also need community with each other. Talking about, you know, church, that's, I mean, obviously going to church, if going to youth groups or different Bible studies or just getting together with your friends to read through a book. Um, and those kinds of things are all very important. Right. Even what we're doing now. Right now, yeah. I mean, is, this is essentially just us doing a Bible study and then telling you guys what we found out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, verse 6. I thought verse 6 was interesting that he specifies this, but anyone who receives instruction in the Word must share all good things with his instructor. So now talking about how spiritual leaders and how we should be sharing our, I guess, findings or what God has revealed to us in his word with them, which I thought was kind of interesting. In fact, the, I guess, notes in my study Bible talk about how Paul was encouraging them to take care of their spiritual leaders, both physically and financially. And not only in this just like way that, essentially is said in verse six. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we do this. I mean, when we share, share all good things. It's, it's the idea of like having fellowship with, with even, even your spiritual leaders. Yeah. So, and spiritual leaders, not just your pastor, but literally, I mean, I think that could go for most believers. You think, or when you have, that community with one another, you'll start to recognize essentially who that I think the input of a lot of like your fellow believers yeah. are very important. Yeah. Even the ones that you might, that are younger than you. Mm-hmm. I always think of Robert, <laughs> Robert, Robert David. David. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he's always reading and it's always like a book that I would never like think to tackle. Yeah. Yeah. And then he'll just be talking about it. And I'm like, wow. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. I agree. He mm-hmm. amazes me. Um, chap- chapter. We're on chapter six still. Verse seven. Um, Paul goes on to explain how we're going to reap what we sow. Essentially talking about how the wicked are going to find or, I guess, receive justice as God wills it. So he starts... With, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from that Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become wary of doing good. For the proper time, for in the proper time, we will reap the harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong in the family of believers. Kind of tying back to the beginning of talking about that community that we have in the family of believers, but also extending that out to all people. Yeah. And now going back to um, the good works and mm-hmm. the fruit that we bear. Doing good to all people. You mean the point that he stole from me? It's the same book. It ties back with itself. I don't know what you want me to do. I'm just kidding. I'm going to keep bringing that up, though. The part part in that section that stood out to me was that idea that God is not mocked. Mm -hmm. Like, God won't be deceived. God knows the true... Like, you can put put on a great show on the outside, but 
God knows. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to what we were talking about at Revive, our youth group at Southfield, talking about icebergs, or essentially we have that, how icebergs have that little bit at the top that you can see, that's what we show on the outside, but that other 90% of like who we are that maybe people don't always see, God can see all of it. Yep. And God knows. Yeah, it's easy to... To put a good ten percent out, right. it's easy, but it's it's difficult um, when your true self comes out because God can see, and God mm-hmm. will not be deceived. Yeah. All right, moving on to chapter eleven. This is funny. So Paul starts chapter eleven. Did I say chapter eleven? Verse eleven. <laughs> We're st- there's only six chapters. Verse eleven. Paul starts. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. So for those of you who didn't know, a lot of the apostles or a lot of these books are written by scribes as the apostles are essentially saying them. So they'd have a scribe writing it down on the letter and then they'd send the letter. So now Paul has gotten up, grabbed the pen, (laughs) and he's like, give me that. (laughs) See with what large letters I'm writing to you. This is covering half the page of this letter. Yeah. And really just <laughs> emphasizing the fact that he does care, going back to how, you know, the pains of childbirth or whatever we were talking about in chapter four. Yeah. Paul is very passionate about what he's saying here. So, verse 12 those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. Again, going back to that, God cannot be mocked. You know, we don't always, we don't see the 100% but God does. Mm -hmm. So these people, these Judaizers are trying to make a good impression to compel them to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted, which I thought was very powerful Yeah, because it's not this, like he's essentially saying that these people who are trying to convince these Christians to follow the law for salvation are just afraid of the persecution that comes with being a Christian. Exactly. It's yeah. It's I mean we we even face that mm-hmm. today. Like we we can be persecuted for the for Jesus, but yeah, we don't we don't care, frankly, because we know where our identity lies, mm-hmm. and that's not in the world. All right, verse thirteen. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the word has been crucified to me, the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. We just we were just talking about something about being crucified. Did Paul mention it literally before? Oh yeah, literally in verse verse five, those who belong to Christ and Jesus have crucified the the sinful nature with his passions and desires, talking about being crucified to the world, the world being the flesh, being that sinful nature. Yep. And crucifying our sinful nature, we are now separate from it. Yes. We are set apart. Yes. Before you move on from that, I just want to point out that you said verse 5, and it's actually in chapter 5. So you've been confusing chapter and verse all day. Dude! And I just thought it was really funny, and I just needed to point that out. Well, thank Continue. Yeah, thank you. You can so always count on me. 
Yeah, I can always count on you. Continue. Well, I think... Yeah, I mean, we're pretty much at the end. Yeah, he finishes up chapter... Verse 15. (laughs) Verse 15. Neither circumcision or uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. So if you're going to take anything away from this book, chapter 6, verse 15 is literally sums up everything we just said for the last two episodes. The physical change, the physical difference or that law of the old covenant doesn't matter. What matters is that relationship with God and the new creation, which uh, we see in the gospels. It's literally the message of the gospel. We are being set apart from our old life in the world, our sinful life. We're now essentially the set apart family of God, members of the family, adopted children of God. Finally, finishing up with his, for lack of a better term, outro or final greeting, peace and mercy be with all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. 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 And that's the book of Galatians. We did it. We made it. I didn't think that we were going to, but we did. Yeah. A lot of writing the notes like three weeks ago and then rereading Galatians to make sure I didn't forget yeah, what because, I wrote down. Because, that, because we took off a couple that, weeks even though we weren't doing anything. No, we were. Yeah, yeah, but like, we were doing were we, things. Were we? Kind of. Sort of. But that went really well. Yeah, I, I thought I that I think that at least went better than last I time. I thought it definitely went better than last time. We were a bit more prepared this time. I actually wrote down notes. Yeah, we, we were prepared. Um, last time we were definitely not as prepared as we should have been. <laughs> yes. So. But now we are. <laughs> now we are. Um, we got anything else? No. Let's send them to our outro. All right. This has been season two, episode three. three. Episode two, season three. Episode two. No. Nope. Season two. two episode, episode three. three. I know. <laughs> All right. So we'll see you guys next time. See ya. Bye.